When you think of the Whomping Willow chapter of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, you naturally picture a flying car getting beat up by a tree. But did you remember it only lasts about 14 seconds? Talk about a quick climax. Thanks for listening to Belated Binge, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. I'm Zach, and my guest today is my buddy Garrett, who hosts a podcast called The Rankum Podcast and is a total Potterhead. This is one of my favorite episodes because Garrett is one of the funniest and most entertaining humans I personally know on planet Earth, and I had a blast going through this chapter with him. So, let's get into it. Chapter 5 of Chamber of Secrets, The Whomping Willow, starts right now. Hi. Before I get into the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. The end of the summer vacation came too quickly for Harry's liking. He was looking forward to getting back to Hogwarts, but his month at the borough had been the happiest of his life. It was difficult to not feel jealous of Ron when he thought of the Dursleys and the sort of welcome he could expect the next time he turned up at Privet Drive. The Belated Binge Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Belated Binge Podcast. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I was incredibly late on, like our current binge of Harry Potter, where despite being the same age as movie Harry, literally within days, I didn't read this series through until my mid-20s. That's the belated part. Now, we're going back. A chapter or two at a time, picking it apart, deep diving what's on the page, speculating about what isn't, particularly Dumbledore's role in his master plan. What did he know? When did he know it? And the motivations guiding the entire story. And of course, infusing as much sarcasm as humanly possible. That's the binge part. Together, they make the belated binge, and today we continue our reread of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets with... Chapter 5, The Whomping Willow. And I'm excited to introduce our guest for this episode. But first, say it with me, this podcast will have spoilers. This series wrapped up in 2007. If you haven't read them by now, you're even later than I was. This podcast will also definitely have adult language. You can buy them in the kids section of the bookstore, but I didn't read them until I was a grown-ass man. We have no patron shout-outs to get to, so let's just jump right into our guest. I'm super excited to not be alone for this. I'm joined by my my good old buddy, old pal, old friend of mine, Garrett. Garrett! Hi, Zach. Tell the How? people who, they are, who you are. Um, I am a 32-year-old man. It's just a cucumber of a person filled with horrible anxiety at all moments. Fair. I think that's the most relatable thing I've ever said out loud. No, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm a long admirer <laughs> of the Harry Potter series and of the Belated Binge podcast, so I'm glad you've asked me to jump on. I'm super excited because I think that you might be the first guest that's ever been on this podcast. It's actually ever heard this podcast. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a long time, first time, long time listener, first time guest on the rank of, or on the uh, Belated Binge <laughs> podcast. I about said my podcast name. 
Speaking of which, yeah, I, I was going to do that. Um, so first, let's tell the world, and by the world, I mean the tens of listeners, what it is that you actually want to promote here because oh. you do like a thousand different things. Um, yeah, so like uh, my one of my best friends and I, uh, we do a podcast called the Rankum Podcast where we just choose a ridiculous topic, um, whether it is um, you know your five favorite songs to sing while drunk at a wedding reception to uh, restaurant breads because restaurant people are oddly passionate about the weirdest things and you find those <laughs> out when you start when you say that you know maybe Texas Roadhouse rolls aren't the best restaurant bread you find people blasphemy who, yeah you find Absolute people blasphemy yeah uh, and so we we rank movies and actors and songs and restaurant breads and uh, candy bars and, and anything you could think of um, and so that's it's uh, preposterous and that's what kind of makes it fun in episode 31, you ranked the Harry Potter books. We did. Uh, you we, did. Do you remember your order? I'm certain that I had Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets last. I'm certain that you did too, because I listened to it earlier today, just to remind myself what uh, order you put them in. I'm sure that I had that last. I'm sure that I had Goblet of Fire first. You did? I would guess that I had uh, Half-Blood Prince second. You did? I would guess that I had Order of the Phoenix third. You did. I would guess that I had Deathly Hallows f- fourth. You did. See, because generally, I, I I tell you, I don't I don't know that when we ranked Gatorade flavors. If I was to sit down right now, I, I would tell I would I know that I would be wrong. That I, <laughs> in my five that I ranked in 2021, I I wouldn't have those. I, I'm not. So I had. So what? What's left? I have left are three so, and okay, one. Okay, so I had Prisoner of Azkaban at six and Sorcerer's Stone at five. You did. That is your exact okay, wow. order. It's also wrong. Just to be fair, I, I know. But I know you're not your as fond of Half Blood Prince as I am. I, uh, you actually are completely mistaken. Half Blood Prince is by far the best book in this series, and I will die on that fucking hill. I, it's it is the best book. But I can't wait to get to it. Like I'm literally covering this book just to get to six eventually. <laughs> so I I read Half Blood Prince I think again right before the movie came out, mm-hmm. and I thought it was the worst movie at the time. I was so mad in the theaters, and then I watched it again like a few months later, and I I think this might be where I, th- I think this it might be the, the, the best movie you're remembering. I think it might this be is the, the conversation best movie. that you're remembering because I, that might I be right, yeah. no, I it drives me absolutely batshit crazy. I think it might uh, be the best movie. I no, I it might be the best rom com. It has the best <laughs> fan made rom com trailer on the internet. Definitely not the best movie. Mm, I don't know. If it is the best movie. <laughs> then there are eight no, there are seven other not good movies <laughs> yeah there are seven other, no okay let me defend my stance a little bit it is not a bad movie it is a bad adaptation of that book i could get on board with that and that is why i don't like it it's not because i think that the movie is trash it's because like my favorite parts of that book and what make that book my favorite book are not in the movie I can understand the thought process. Okay. Glad we can be on the same page. Because the, while reading the book. Yeah. I don't know why I never saw the curveball at the end of that book being the curveball that is at the end of that book. That I never saw who the Half-Blood Prince was as being 
the half blood prince. Mm. I got you. And I, I've I've grown a bit in my ability to have a little foresight, <laughs> but at the time did not see that coming. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say whether I did or didn't. Mostly because I was like 25 <laughs> when I read I mean, the book. Yeah, I would have been 16 ish, something like that, somewhere in there. Yeah, so I was at least slightly smarter um, than I would have been had I read this in the correct time frame of, uh, of my life. But I feel like I had an inclination on the Half Blood Prince part. I don't think I saw the Dumbledore death coming until it was like happening. Yeah, that's... And I don't know, know that I saw Snape necessarily doing it throughout the book. Like, I, I had probably... Because I, I was all on board in every damn book that tried to convince me that Snape was the yeah. bad guy. Yeah, I was 100% Like, you were waiting behind. for the... <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! Yes, because he is a bad guy. Like, he is a very terrible human being yeah so i just at some point he was going to live up to being a terrible human being actually villainous yes um so i think i probably saw it coming but i saw it coming like when they were on the tower and dumbledore is like (laughs) falling down the (laughs) pillar you know like uh, it it wasn't i was like oh shit dumbledore's about to die right oh this isn't this isn't playtime anymore yeah this, this was oh yep just happened so um, I look forward to that series of podcasts. I, I look forward yeah. to um, what, what's that going to be? April of twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> m- get maybe to, I don't know. Um, that's a, wow. a long way down the road. Yeah. Well, it'll be fine. I have to also say one. I'm offended that uh, you referred to Don as your best friend um, because I think I said one it's, of. It's absolutely offensive. Um, one of because. Some of my absolute favorite moments of working in the radio world were with you. That includes very much our old crosstalk segment yes. when our shifts on the old country station ran back to back. For the the five or six people that didn't work in radio who are listening to this podcast, crosstalk is when a host of a show that is coming on next shows up during the show that's happening before it and they use like the last break of the one show or first break of the other one to talk to each other cross talk also called a handoff yeah. uh and for some reason our old radio station boss wouldn't let us call those segments hand jobs on the air yeah and I, I can't figure out why you know you, you you say the wrong thing one time and one time one time and I believe the wrong thing I said was about the McRib sandwich. Oh, but, that's a whole, that's a, that's a bonus <laughs> episode of fire. There, that should be a radio tales. Cause I, that I had just, that, I think that was my first day ever. Like actually working was the time that you called the McRib messy. And in, I, I know. And it was the worst thing I could have done because of our it, McDonald's sponsor. But in <laughs> retrospect, I now understand because the, that like the week that you said that mm-hmm. the boss is trying to get the owner of, 30 mcdonald's to buy the company and you call right. you call a mcdonald's sandwich messy and you didn't you didn't harp on it you're just like no ah, the mcrib is messy i prefer I don't yeah that's it nope mcrib was messy and all cap text messages start rolling in <laughs> yeah i got i got blown up pretty bad for that one by the radio boss luckily he didn't catch wind of another 
legitimate uh, mistake that I made on the air. Um, he didn't hear that one. Uh, that one got to just be between me and the the several callers that called in uh, very angry. We've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, but that one didn't get all the way up the chain. Anyways, so tell me and the people listening, like, your Harry Potter story. I was early on the, the Harry Potter. I was generally, I think a lot of people, at least in America, started reading Harry Potter after the Sorcerer's Stone movie came out. Fair. I read Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone before the first movie came out. Mm. Um, and, and I think it was because I had seen or heard, you know, some of the publicity coming out about the movie and how this is going to be huge. I'm like, well, I got to get in on this. So I guess even that, you know, is not early. That's still three, four years after. after you mean the, you didn't have like a, a advanced copy that went no, straight to the editor? No, I didn't have, um, you know, the the Queen's English version of the Philosopher's <laughs> Stone in rural Ohio uh, at yeah. my at my disposal. I know that I read The Sorcerer's Stone before the movie came out, and I believe I read Chamber of Secrets right after the first movie came out. So yeah. I was somewhat early on the books, but I they they were formative in my formative years. I, I, I like telling the story of my now wife. The very first time she called me after I gave her my number, my voicemail, <laughs> uh, it, uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, the book had just come out. And my mm-hmm. voicemail message says, Hi, you've reached the voicemail box of Garrett Seawright. If you're calling to tell me how Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows ends, kindly bleep off. <laughs> and so she's like, you know, Harry Potter was not in her world at all. She's like, so you like Harry Potter, huh? Sounds like you like Harry Potter a lot. Like It just so, is something my friends would do of like, hey, I'm going to mm-hmm. stay up at midnight, get the book as well, just read the final three chapters, and I'm going to call and tell you what happens. <laughs> That's not cool. Don't enjoy that. So I bought Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, the book, waited till midnight to get it. I also happened to buy Harry Potter and the Cursed Child at midnight. I, I didn't. It wasn't a thing. I just happened to be at Walmart at midnight, and there they started mm-hmm. setting the books out, and I was like, I don't even know what this is. I'll read it, and if I had known that it was trash, I wouldn't have bought it. Yeah. But, but I did. Mm-hmm. So that's my Harry Potter story, I guess, in an elevator pitch. I was unfortunately excited about Cursed Child because it was, I mean, coming out right around the time that I was finishing up the book series and kind of really diving into the fandom if you will um i i knew i knew everything that happened i was listening to podcasts and uh, all of that i took the stupid tests on potter no more to find uh, see, out uh, see i was gonna say nonsense. i didn't do any of the potter more stuff i didn't like i mm-hmm. you know there was i i had a, a thirst for more harry potter content but i at the time was poor <laughs> so so like i'm, I'm not I, I can't do any of this stuff well the the potter more stuff was free you could just like take the quizzes or whatever i mean you obviously if you wanted to buy the you know merchandise or the audiobooks yeah, or whatever but i was i was way more into like theory videos on youtube or listening to podcasts than reading those pottermore articles anyways i literally just heard it on a podcast that it was a thing you could go take the test and i was bored at work one day and i was like "Ah, whatever i'll try it um (laughs) i'll do it and i I did it like three times best two out of three uh on a lot of the stuff um because you can can manipulate i I know you've said this but you can manipulate that to get whatever result you want 
absolutely like i'm fairly certain one of the damn questions is actually like do you like snakes <laughs> like are you kidding me like yes uh, i love them in this situation what would you do i'm like well this option is clearly right. brave this option is clearly cunning this uh, like yeah you could you could start to figure it out um and so one of the times i was like can i just get gryffindor yep, yep. sure can yep. mm-hmm. uh, the other couple of times i i got ravenclaw because apparently i'm a big old nerd that's well, gonna do a podcast over a book series i, I had this conversation with one, with my friend who i do the podcast with because he asked mm-hmm. me a couple weeks ago he's like hey what's your harry potter house and i was like see i don't like this question <laughs> because is it egotistical to say ravenclaw because I think it is a little bit. That's fair. It's slightly egotistical to just be like, yeah, yeah like, I'm a Ravenclaw. I'm, I'm smart. I'm witty. I think I'm smarter than you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's, it's egotistical, but at the same time, I'm a, I'm a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Is it, is it kind of douchey to say Gryffindor? I think so. It's a, yeah, it's like a total I'm, Chad move to be like, I'm a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely a Gryffindor. Yeah. Is it too try hard to say Slytherin? See, I, I wonder if, like, Slytherin is just complete lack of self-awareness. <laughs> like, uh, like, I'm not sure what I am. Oh, you're a Slytherin. Okay, got it. Mm. Perfect. Because it's sort of like when, when you ask somebody, like, and nobody asks us anymore, luckily, mm-hmm. uh, like, who are you voting for? Oh, I'm voting for yeah. the lesser of two evils. Oh, so you're voting for the person you didn't really want to tell me who you're voting for. Like, what house are you? Uh, I'm not really certain. Ah, oh, you're a Slytherin. Okay, great. Got it. <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm an evil person, right. so I'm so not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you Slytherin. Uh, I'm, I'm not, it's either between Slytherin. Okay, so you're a Slytherin. <laughs> it's either between a Slytherin or I'm going to murder you in your sleep. Um, mm-hmm. That's a tough one to figure out. Yeah, I, I can't can't quite tell. These are jokes, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just And we didn't mention Hufflepuff because nobody cares. Right. Again, the these are jokes, middle, people. Middle child syndrome, Hufflepuff. Yeah. Got great colors, though. See, I'm actually a fan of the Ravenclaw colors. So when I asked you if you wanted to come on this uh, podcast, you specifically asked to cover this particular chapter. Yes. Why? Because when you think of the Whomping Willow section of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, it is a significantly longer memory in your mind than it is in the book. It's, <laughs> it's not even a page. It's not, it's not a it page really in the book. Of yeah. how long that scene lasts, yeah. And yet, when you think of like Harry Potter and Chambers, you're like, "Oh, they drive the car into into the into the Whomping Willow murder tree." Like, yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's three quarters of a page is how long it takes. Now, I like the flying car, I, I but the idea of like when when you think of this book, you're like, "Oh, that's the one where they get the hell out of them by a tree <laughs> for 14 seconds." Like not even yeah. it is not a long time, and yet it leaves this lasting impact on you. I I I find that like fascinating. That is not what I expected you to say. I didn't have a clue why you wanted to do this chapter, but that is definitely not what I thought you were going to say. I like it though. You it get, brings me a lot of joy. Also, it, it, it's a short chapter. You get a lot of like the main characters in their like at, in their almost like. Kind of in the element, yeah. Like each yeah. each of the like main characters in this chapter get in to be exactly who they are, <laughs> right? In this fourteen page experience, that is a incredibly astute point, my friend. Uh, Ravenclaw, um, yeah, vocabulary, and I had forgotten. 
I'd completely forgotten that that's how this chapter went until reading it right. for this episode. I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we get a little, oh yeah, we get some of that. Oh yeah, we totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. So before we can actually start talking about the Whomping Willow chapter, we have to recap the last episode. So in case you're obliviated or you got your Hogwarts letter late last chapter, Harry took a mistaken trip through a fireplace to the wrong side of town and was nearly kidnapped by a creepy witch with a plate full of fingernails. We met the incredibly humble new defense against the dark arts professor, Gilderoy Lockhart. I'm sure he won't become important to the no. story at all. And we had a dad fight in a bookstore between Lucius Malfoy and Arthur Weasley. If this fight isn't broken up, who wins? I love my guy, Arthur, but I'm going Lucius. Yeah, I, I think he busts out the walking stick. I, I, I think no matter what, Arthur Weasley is going to fight fair. And I think yeah. no matter what, Lucius Malfoy <laughs> Lucius is Malfoy going is to make sure he wins. So I I can I can follow you there, but there's also a layer of me that th thinks of Lucius Malfoy as the person who always has the stronger, more powerful friend. Yeah. And who doesn't want to fight his own battles. And so is actually useless in a scrum so i'm a little on the fence uh since you went one way i'll just go the other way and That's say fine. that arthur is going to win because he's probably scrappy too oh he, like a dude that can father 106 children like you know he's <laughs> like <laughs> he's he's mentally tough he is he is well Cause after like the first one uh he could have been ready to dive out of that flying car it, at yeah. know, peak altitude it would make sense uh and, and you arthur weasley's tough because you i mean you see it in the Order of the Phoenix when he's in the Garden of Prophecy, he, he puts up a fight there for a while. Yeah. I'm not sure how many people even survive that Nagini attack. Not many. Probably not. Probably not. But again, before we can move into this week's chapter discussion, we need to close the book on that last chapter. So let's jump into the... Expecto. Plot change -o. This is the part of the show where we theorize on what we would expect to change in our story if we made one small change to the plot of the chapter that we're covering. In the last episode, I asked, what happens to Harry if Hagrid isn't randomly in Nocturne Alley at the very moment that Harry needs help? A couple people chimed in on Twitter for this one. Jamie first said, I think after his first year, he was more than capable of dealing. And then Mike, this is something I feel like the film expanded upon a tad. Bit of a nothing burger in the book, but in film, when Hagrid says he's there for slug repellent, it pans to Harry giving him a shifty look, as if he's not sure that's true. Perhaps, playing on later, Hagrid's suspicion in the film. Thank you both for joining the conversation. Garrett, what do you think? Does the word ransom letter mean anything to you? Because <laughs> there's uh, Harry's in a tough spot if Hagrid he, ain't, in a, ain't in a bad spot. He is, but is it heartless for me to ask where that ransom letter is going to be sent? Like, who are they going to send great, it to? Um, they'll find they'll find the right person. It, it, it that's how that's how it who works. Who is the right person? Lucius Malfoy. 
Which is not avoid to send like, the ransom yeah, letter yeah, to. Yeah, like he, he will make it. I, I'm sure he's walking around there like, hey, if anybody happens to uh, to kidnap any 12-year-olds, <laughs> let me know. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm thinking it's got to be Dumbledore. Like, I don't know that the oh, I was letter, going up, like, you're, letter you're, is going to be addressed to Dumbledore, oh, so but yeah. it will find its way to Dumbledore somehow. See, I was going with, like, hey, Lucius Malfoy, if you would like to give me a nice chunk of change and you can deliver the boy who lived. That's that's fair. To, that's a very fair angle. To but who, like, who you would like, whoever you'd like to give him to. I don't, you, you do you. Well, at this point, though, like, Lucius thinks he's gone. So where's he going to deliver him to? He's going to end up in the dungeon of Malfoy Manor, which, spoiler alert, also happens. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. We'll get there eventually in like six years <laughs> all right so normally i like to think this through analyze the question think about the impact that it could have on the series as a whole and come up with a logical and plausible outcome today i'm taking a cue from the fan fiction community and we're just gonna we're just gonna go with this kind of not far off where you were headed there uh garrett with your with your ransom letter uh comment so strap in here we go so the witch that harry encounters in nocturne alley is described as carrying a plate of fingernails and having swampy teeth she comes up all creepy asks if he's lost which is exactly what you do to a 12 year old in a weird alleyway that's when Hagrid comes and just scoops him up and escorts him to the right side of town over in Diagon Alley to meet back up with the Weasleys. Here's how that plays out without Hagrid's rescue. The swamp tooth lady, creepy witch, continues to pursue Harry as he's trying to walk down the alley to get away from this particular situation he finds himself in. He's terrified. Uh, and just as his anxiety reaches just peak level and he's about ready to just start sprinting he feels a hand caress his own and bam disapparition Harry doesn't know where he is the room's spinning he drops to his knees and suddenly a trash can appears next to him which is perfect timing because he's completely nauseous and it's coming I'll spare you the details but his <laughs> breakfast is now in that trash can uh, as is described as a thing that happens to people the first time that they operate before the room around him actually starts to become clear his fear is just shot through the roof because he gets a look at the person responsible for bringing him there the swamp tooth crazy witch lady of course right like i'm i'm no fiction author but like everyone saw that coming harry grew up with muggles He's seen TV before. He's preparing for some straight up, it puts the lotion on its skin <laughs> kind of shit to go down in this moment. He has no idea how he's ever going to get out of this scenario. He still can't quite take in his surroundings. He's just completely transfixed on this witch who's now brewing something in the kitchen. All he can think is, what poison is she going to try to make me drink and how can I possibly avoid it? She's coming closer. He knows no magic at this point. He's useless. And he probably hasn't mastered that street smart level that he has in book five for like the fake tea drinking thing that he does with Umbridge. 
Um, no, he's screwed. The witch is nearly within arm's reach, and she trips over the corner of quite a shaggy rug that Harry didn't realize he was sitting on. The tea goes flying through the air. At least he's not going to have to drink it. Um, she curses out loud, and she climbs to her feet, looking directly at him, just right between the eyes. And then almost looking through Harry, she pauses, and she laughs. Harry's utterly confused. He knew this lady is, has to be crazy, but this has confirmed it even for him if the he had a single fingernail left of doubt. And then Harry thought he was crazy because the witch's features started changing right in front of his very eyes. And soon, she wasn't the crazy, dirty, swampy-teethed witch. She was actually pretty, with mousy pink hair, and her smile was rather infectious. He got the nerve to break eye contact when he took in the room around him. It was a bit cluttered, but overall clean. He wasn't in some weird dungeon. He wasn't at the bottom of a hole. He was standing on a shag rug carpet in the middle of what appeared to be a small apartment living room. He glanced around. He saw fairly worn furniture like it'd been there for a little bit. Some magazines ranging from anything from Witch Weekly to Transfiguration Today. And behind him, a mirror. And then the witch spoke. Sorry about the scare there, dear. Forgot why I looked like that. I was down a nocturne alley following a lead on... Well, never mind. What's your name? Everyone calls me Tonks. No reaction whatsoever. Nothing. When you nothing. When, I just brought freaking Nymphadora no, Tonks in half, story halfway, early. Halfway through, I'm like, "Is this Nymphadora? Don't it call is. me Nymphadora." I really thought I was gonna get some sort of. No, I'm sitting here like, "This is, this is Nymphadora Tonks, right?" Mm-hmm. Yep. So telegraphed but okay Got but, but I'm see, a shitty writer but no see I, everybody knows who harry is right she she knows she knows who she grabbing perhaps because my there's thought a, is that it's there's so... a reason she's there she's saying i was chasing a lead for you know why she was there because albus dumbledore's like make sure harry potter <laughs> is is okay that's fair that because now that's fair see i was thinking it was like fresh out of or training tongs clumsy Fair. not really like astute of her surroundings right. so much she was almost going to spill the beans on some nonsensical <laughs> like you know uh investigation she was a part of and realized it was a 12 year old kid she was talking to like that's what like, I, I know i know you shouldn't be here <laughs> yeah but that makes actually a lot more sense um i probably should have gone that route see no Look but like in the pink pink hair i'm like Oh, Nymphadora. Yeah, I, I, I knew that was going to be a, a, a giveaway Don't eventually, but, you know. Nymphadora. Alas, what are you going to do? All right, so I'm flipping my um, cell phone screen around here, selfie style. I'm going to try to – this isn't going to work. I was going to try to get you in the background for this, um, but, you know, we're, we're failing uh, in that regard. So uh, it's time for – this week's Expecto Plot Change-O question from Chapter 5, The Chamber of Secrets is, what if the invisibility booster worked on the flying car and no muggles saw Harry and Ron in it? 
how does that impact their reception at Hogwarts? Are they still in trouble? Do they get their glorious entrance that they thought they might in their imagination? How's it go exactly? Let me know your thoughts. You can respond to this post or leave a voicemail on my website, belatedbinge.com, to be played on the next episode of the podcast. This here selfie will go on to the social medias of the world. Uh, Which ones are they now? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, And like I said, in the video you can get in on the action on any of those platforms or leave a voicemail on the website belatedbinge.com if you don't like the sound of your own voice there's also a form that you can submit uh, a contact form uh, and you can leave your thoughts in there as well so now we will dive into the events of this week's chapter with priority incan chapter We've reached the point where our wands connect, not the tips, just the streams, so we can recap what went down in the chapter that we just read this week. Chapter 5, Chamber of Secrets. The Whomping Willow begins with a time jump to Harry reflecting on the end of summer and how much he enjoyed staying at the burrow with the Weasleys. Apparently, it's been a month since he's been broken out of cell number 4 on Prison Drive, and it's time to go to Hogwarts. Garrett, I'm going to ask you first... Where do you stand on the borough? Do you wish we had like more time there or are you ready to get to school where everything but studying actually takes place? This is not a great way to look at this. I, I, Happy Harry is boring. <laughs> Harry enjoying his life. I don't, I, 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 I don't need that. I need problem solving Harry and death defying Harry. I need much less. Life is good, Harry. I don't. I don't. I don't need that. I. I do. I, I would love to. You know, investigate that someday or whatever. Uh, of the. You know, the boring days at at the borough for Harry. I'm sure are the best days. But, for Harry, but they're for right. You. They're, they're the boring days when he's like, "Oh, nothing is happening, and I feel loved. This is great." Well, I don't care. <laughs> That's so horrible. Like- I don't. So you're one of those people that uh, don't mind the other time jump that we get in Half-Blood Prince where uh, he finally makes out with Ginny and then it's like, the past three weeks were the best of Harry's life. <laughs> right. And now shit has to go crazy again. And because you know, there nothing... are some that clamor. Yeah, they're yeah. like, I want that three weeks. No. And you're like, no, I don't care. Right. It's. It, I'm sure it's just, you know. Um, the, now they're that we, making out under trees, right? Like that's like, all they're doing. Now Harry, Harry looked lovingly into Ginny's eyes. She said, "Tell me everything will be okay." And he said, "I don't know if I can do that." <laughs> and she says, "That's an even better answer." Wow, wow, wow! I don't need three weeks of that. That that's fair. That's fair. And to be to be completely frank, romantic relationships are the weakest point of this series, and I just will never be convinced otherwise and we could go down so many rabbit holes for that particular statement but they, it just is oh it's true so, that three weeks i don't think we missed much is all I'm no saying. no yeah so there's the last meal at the burrow and then a morning of absolute chaos trying to get six kids ready for school at the same time which goes as you would expect and 
I mean, they, it's, they, it's on brand for the Weasleys, right? Like, yeah. this is not, this is exactly what you expect. Yes, this is what you, what you imagine will happen is absolute, utter chaos. Um, so then they make, um, they make Molly look like an idiot when she gets into this four-door sedan and all eight people are just completely comfortable rather than being stuffed in like a sardine. You know, she just thinks the muggles did a good job making a roomy car, which is <laughs> complete horseshit. And that's going to come up later. I get why she doesn't want Arthur to put the car into flying mode when they're running late, but the idea that she knows the car can fly, but then can't put two and two together on an undetectable extension charm. No chance, no chance whatsoever. Anyways, they get to the platform. Everyone runs through the wall like normal, except instead of having all the kids go first, like normal parents would, and they normally would, the parents went through and left the two 12 year old boys to be last and come in on their own with literally one minute before the train's supposed to depart, which would never happen. Right? Can, can we agree that Molly Weasley is probably a, a, a above average mom, maybe even an elite level mom? Somewhere between above average and elite, I think is fair. And this idea that like she would leave t-ball practice before all the kids had been picked up is yeah. is outlandish. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, just walk to the car and leave the 12-year-olds back in line at Cedar Point, you know, in a crowd mob at dark. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's happening. That's, no, it's... Come on! Yeah, and it's coming up again later in the show. She's not perfect, but she's not not dumb. She's definitely not perfect. She's definitely not dumb. But we needed a way for this next piece of plot to happen. So, bam! Harry and Ron crash into a wall looking like a couple of idiot kids. All right. The maturity level of these 12-year-old boys. How close are we feeling these days? We well ahead of them, or are we still pretty much there, but we have more gray hair? Yeah. 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 Okay. Because so, what's the move here? <laughs> it, it's definitely not like my twelve-year-old problem solving isn't. Oh, well, this is fine. We've got a flying car. <laughs> That's not my. Uh, you know what my twelve-year-old problem solving is? If I cry right now, how many people are going to come ask me if I need help? <laughs> Lots. I. It, it's definitely not like. Ah, it's fine. We got this. There's, we got there's a flying forward in the parking lot. Yeah. Well, you're on the same page as Harry because he's actually thinking fairly rationally. He suggests that they go wait by the car for Ron's parents to find their way back to them. But apparently Ron had his Wheaties this morning and he's down for an adventure. Here's Ron's logic, and I quote, We're stuck, right? And we've got to get to school, haven't we? And even underage wizards are allowed to use magic if it's a real emergency. Section 19 or something of the restricted of thingy. Thingy. Yeah. (laughs) After Harry shows a little bit of concern for Ron's parents getting home, he 
continues his streak of rock-solid points. They don't need the car. They know how to operate. You know, just vanish and reappear at home. Great use of explaining what the hell apparition is, by the way, in the middle of this. Uh, They only bother with flu powder in the car because we're all underage and we're not allowed to apparate yet. Pause. One. Is Ron making sense? Because technically... Nothing he just said is inaccurate. I was just about to say, when somebody starts their argument with, well, technically, (laughs) things are not about to go well. Well, technically. They're not, but are they wrong? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But technically. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're not well, actually. We're not well, technically. (laughs) No. Yeah, this is just... Ron's a little persuasive in this. this. And I understand the logic to a point. Like... Right. Like, fuck it. They don't, they don't need the car. We need the car. Yeah, I, I understand exactly. that. Mm-hmm. But. And they are just coming off of a mission where they flew it like halfway across the country and nobody found out. True. Ron wasn't driving. Just throwing that out there. Uh, they didn't have the masters of mischief themselves uh, and his brothers. But okay. Second thing that stood out to me here, and this is more logistically. Being underage means that you can't legally apparate yourself, obviously. But does that extend to side a long apparition? I don't, I don't think so, right? I didn't either, but the way that Ron says it in this passage, and maybe I'm just reading into things because I want stuff to talk about on this podcast, but it does suggest that even if their parents wanted to just apparate somewhere and take them along, maybe they couldn't. See, is that they the only bother with the flu powder in the car because we're all underage and we're not allowed to apparate yet. See that to me like reeks of Molly had a bad experience once and Arthur just tells mm. them like, oh, we're not allowed to apparate because you're underage. When in reality, Molly's like, remember that time I got, you know, I got splinched or I just I, I feel sick every time we do it. I don't like doing it. We'll That's- just use flu power. That's fair. I li- I like I got the, covering I for like somebody. Mhm. Yeah, I like the rationale that you use cuz the way that I was thinking through it it was like maybe it's just exhausting because you have to you presumably have to take one kid at a time. Right. Probably <laughs> yeah. like they're probably not risking taking all, you know, seven of them in a, you know, football right. huddle and just like right. Come on everybody, group hug. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, I doubt they're doing that. Maybe they don't want the kids to get sick, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot, but I it made me wonder, like, if it's technically not a legal option, and if so, did Dumbledore just, like, who gives a shit and just have Harry apparate with him right, like, who's, because who's, he's Dumbledore? Who's going to tell on me? Right, right, like, who's going to say? And the other reason that this seemed plausible to me is in that book – when Ron and Hermione are about to go take their apparition lessons and like Harry can't because he doesn't, he's not the right age. All of the students are, when they're taking the classes and stuff are like freaking out because Harry's apparated before like side along. Like none of you, literally no student at least that we know exists in these books has ever side along apparated before. Like, I feel like if I'm a parent and I'm late for something and I can do this, like I'm probably doing this. Yeah. You cut that corner. So that's why I'm wondering, like, are they literally not allowed? Also, you would th- you would think maybe that um, 
for with the Weasleys kind of penchant for being maybe a little late sometimes. Like <laughs> right. that that they would be like, I don't care how rough, you know, operating is. Yeah, we're doing we're it. We're gonna do it. Get over it. Yeah. Uh anyways. Side tangent uh over. No matter what, we're we're going on Ron's adventure and we're flying to Hogwarts but <laughs> come hell or high water. Uh the plan is to run out to the car, get it up in the air when nobody's looking fat chance turn invisible and follow the train to hogwarts so naturally this plan goes to shit immediately (laughs) (laughs) not an exaggeration not an exaggeration literally immediately broken invisibility booster so now they're rushing to hide in the clouds which is actually a smart tactic i I was gonna say your options are we can get above the clouds or we can put this bitch back on the ground one of them is a big problem (laughs) The other one is the safe option. Like, let's just get above the clouds. That is logical thinking. It is logical thinking, which I wouldn't expect out of Ron Weasley. Fair. Especially at this moment, He's considering his literal previous paragraphs that we just read. Um, so we're four and a half seconds into this trip, and we're already fucked. Uh, they're ducking in and out of cloud cover, you know, trying to find and follow the train for hours and the car apparently starts getting tired. So far, what indication have we gotten that this car is a sentient being? See, okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> I, like, when I'm, w- w- he pats the car on the dashboard like, come on, a little farther, like, it, it, I think it says, you know, he says to the car more than he says to Harry a little while longer. Is that to make Ron feel better? Or does he know that the car is alive? I, like, do, when do they learn that... that I, I assume Harry learns that... The, like, no, 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 that's even poppycock. Because Harry's like, reverse! Later on in the... Like, yeah, when, right, did, I, when, did, when do they all find out that the car is like, I don't care dog. what you want. I, yeah, right. I'm, I'm yeah. going to do whatever I want. Yeah, the car is now a flying transportation labradoodle is yes. what is happening. Whatever. This this is a kid's book, so this is a thing. And the car, you know, finally gives out just as they reach Hogwarts. We're skimming ahead a couple paces. Um, They're preparing for a crash landing, which is actually quite beautifully written. Um, If you really sift through the wording, the way that the castle and grounds are just described while they're plummeting to their potential death is actually quite pleasing. Um, And where do they finally land a murder tree yay definitely belongs at a school that that, that was another question later like the purpose of the tree is Mm -hmm. yeah what Um, yeah so ron's wand is broken uh somehow their faces aren't and the whomping willow proceeds to beat the shit out of them until harry shouts reverse like you said and the car listens to him he goes yeah that's a great idea yeah, and this is this is the moment that you were talking about when you said, I really want to cover this chapter. That's it. It's passed. The whole right. thing is over. They hit the tree before Harry can say, what the hell? Like, or like, oh, at least we're alive. He gets slung into Ron to the right side of the car. Then when yeah. he looks up, the tree hits them again. And then they go, oh, shit. Let's get out of this car while it's being pummeled. Reverse. The car backs up kicks him out, throws Hedwig at Harry, and it's gone forever. That is how long it takes. Yeah. 
They get hit twice. That's all that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure those were jarring hits, but. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And Hedwig is pissed. She's not a fan of this situation at all. She and the car both gone out of there. And when Ron shouts at the car to come back because his dad's going to kill him, all I could think was, where was that energy when we decided to steal the car from his dad because they didn't need one? Oh, a couple whacks from a tree, and now you're thinking clearly. Yeah, yeah. By the way, what what was the plan? We're just gonna we're, right, fly, there, we're gonna, gonna fly. The- <laughs> we're gonna park it in faculty parking, and it'll be fine. Yeah, just like right outside the gate, and just leave it there for yes. a year, and then fly it back home. Yeah, no, no. no uh, mm-hmm. Arthur Weasley's gonna walk out the back door of the borough and go Accio car, and it's just gonna. <laughs> I don't know how far yeah. how far that works, but yeah, and it transforms its way into yeah. like a little matchbox, and then just flies to. Him. We could write this, this little uh, what, what would this be like a fan fiction subplot or something? Yeah, uh, if only the car wasn't a sentient being and going off to live <laughs> in the woods, because that makes more sense than what we were just saying. They walk up <laughs> to the school, they peek in the window. They see the sorting happening, and we get reminders about how pretty the Great Hall is, how the sorting works, the hat, Dumbledore, Prof. G. We're pretty much just continuing the theme of this book, albeit pleasingly written, but it's just insisting on beating us over the head with, in case you didn't read the first book, right. recaps yes. constantly. In the, yeah. So then they notice that Snape's not there, and they start shit-talking yes. about Snape, which is obviously here so that he can make his grand entrance sneaking up behind them like a creepy bat like vampire object situation he doesn't bite them but he'd like to he would he really would um and this is okay so i think everyone has at least one non-sexual fantasy that they daydream about just more than you know anything else like everyone has wishes and you know wouldn't it be nice yeah. stuff that they think but they i think there's usually you know a, a, a few recurring ones that they just want way more you know, than the others i'm talking the the most selfish oh desires yeah, like, of people's hearts when you were you're sitting there and you're like oh the lottery's up to 1.3 billion dollars like oh i hope i win that Meanwhile, Severus Snape is like, wouldn't it be fun to stab Harry Potter in the kidney? <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, I, yeah, because I'm not thinking of the, you know, I, I wish I could provide better for my family test. Yeah. I'm talking like, I want this thing kind of daydream. You know, for me, it's, you know, being like a GM of an NBA team or, you know, paid a whole bunch of money to podcast for a living instead of having a real job yeah. or becoming a hit songwriter or something along just those unobtainable irresponsible things to chase after you know when you are old as hell and have you know a family yeah, to have responsibility for what is your what is your non-sexual fantasy so i like humbly could i be the offensive coordinator of the best college football offense of all time yeah i've played ncaa 14 like crazy on easy mode we're running four verticals all the time. We're the number one pass <laughs> offense in the country. Yeah, like, could I be, uh, like, the best college football coach of all time? Certainly I could. Absolutely. That And that also fits. That fits really well with your uh, with your personality. Oh, I, yeah. I, Humbly, I could be the greatest to ever do it, yes. Yes, absolutely. And then I would have no doubt. Um, you I could probably... The, I just need the chance. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe a talented recruiter. Oh, that's me too. 
I do. I oh. do great. You just put all the numbers to six hundred. <laughs> you press A a lot, and that's it. Bam, done. Yeah, absolutely. That's one hundred percent how it all works. Yeah. And of course, I'm bringing this up. You've you've already hinted towards this. Like this is it for Snape. This is his non-sexual like fantasy of his life. He's he is peaking in this moment. Yeah, he wants nothing more than to catch Harry Potter doing something wrong and relentlessly ridiculing him for it. This is quite literally his wet dream. Uh, and rather than following Hogwarts protocol and delivering Harry to his head of house, he has to first take them to his own office and get off on his position of power over them. That aside, you know, big shock that people actually noticed the flying sedan. There's <laughs> apparently an evening edition of the Prophet newspaper, which is giving him these answers. He's not actually reading Harry's mind. Um, I think that this, yeah, I, I think this newspaper only comes out when it's convenient for the plot. But we get a lot of back and forth. You know, Snape asking questions, making character accusations of 12-year-olds, not letting them speak or answer any of the questions. Uh, he eventually goes and gets Prof. McGee and, and, and Dumbledore. You know, the thing he was supposed to do from the get-go when he found them. You know, because it's definitely not a coincidence that he was out there looking like he was he was sent. And we may or may not discuss that at a later point in this podcast. And this is where we get what you were talking about people at their peaks you know snape is at his peak here this is snape just child bullying absolutely hates harry potter and he's like i've got him like yeah he's definitely going to get expelled for this if we can dive into further people's logic like you've sworn this oath to protect spoiler alert (laughs) to to protect harry potter for your remaining days and yet you like you're looking forward to him being expelled and going where? Doing what? I, homeless, I guess. I don't know. Like he's, You're going to go to Chick-fil-A in London someday and be like, oh, hey, there's Harry Potter, the boy who lived. Serve me up a spicy deluxe. Like What I, what, what do you think he's going to do if he gets expelled as a 12-year-old? The only thing I can possibly come up with that makes sense for the character and somewhat logically in the story is he's got to go back to the Dursleys. And that's literally like hell on earth. Yeah. And so he could think of nothing more enjoyable than Harry Potter living in hell on earth and not being at Hogwarts. He and Vernon Dursley would get along splendid. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, then on top of that, we get Prof. McGee entering the room and she is like 100% just full on McGee. This is quintessential. It is. McGonagall. It is. Sit. Explain. Explain yourselves. And Harry says, while she's fair, she's just as strict as Severus Snape, which that's the difference of she's <laughs> fair. Like, I know fair. that I'm going to get a fair shake from her, but yeah. if I've screwed up, she ain't going to be happy. No, no, she's not. And, well, we didn't think clearly. And I, there she is. Applause for Professor McGonagall, because that is yeah, clearly... We noticed right. you were not thinking. <laughs> yeah. And then it's the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed speech from uh, Dumbledore. Uh, Stab in the gut. There not is not from a Snape's knife. There's not but, a worse sentence than I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Particularly at twelve, right? Yep. Ah. Yep. And has Harry ever gotten this speech? This is um, the first time he's probably ever heard it. Yeah. Probably 
I would almost guarantee it's the first time oh. that he's ever any any and it, it's like you know I feel sick and he feels sick in his stomach. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's how it works, buddy. Yeah, it's it's rough, rough, but they don't get expelled despite you know, Snape's fantasy just completely collapsing around him and he turning into a child. But 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 but, <laughs> but Professor Dumbledore, they were bad. You should. Sentence them to death, damn it. Yeah, they they do get detention though. Um uh, and sandwiches, which they eat in Snape's office, which to me is kind of a flex by McGonagall. Like, no, you can go ahead and just stay here and eat this. Like, I don't care if Snape Yeah, don't give a shit. Sit here, eat, then go to bed. <laughs> uh so they they can't make their glorious entrance into the hall like they wanted to. They do get to the dorms, Hermione's pissed. And there it is. Rock stars. And that's pretty much it. That's where the chapter ends. Before we move on to the next thing, you know, did we miss anything that you wanted to bring up? I, the, the, the only thing is... It, it, you say the thing is. <laughs> Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall are both very like... like I, I know you might not believe from Professor Snape that this is serious. This is serious. Yeah. And yet... Harry is treated like exponentially better in a very serious wizarding world matter than he is from the slightest hiccup at the Dursleys. Like he's withheld food at the, right. at the Dursleys. Like they're, they're breaking the Geneva Convention, and Harry Potter and Ron Weasley might have exposed the wizarding world to to Muggles, and they're like, "Y'all hungry?" <laughs> like, that, that is the difference. Bottomless like, sandwiches, like, even yeah. in your like. Like this is a big, this is a BFD. This is a big fucking deal, and they're still like, "Would you like bottomless sandwiches?" Yeah, yeah, you, yeah I would. You, you still got to eat, right? right? Like you guys are hungry, right? You missed the, you missed the banquet. Okay, well, here's here's yeah. some sandwiches, and they're like, "This is great. This is perfect. I, I love this. Thank you." They got yeah. they got time <laughs> to talk about it, but like even then, they're still treated like you know normal human beings. Treated like normal human beings, and then treated. You know, like celebrities once they finally yeah. got to their own dorm. Yeah, they're gods so they, to, to Dean Thomas and Seamus Finnegan. Right. They got their, you know, glorious entrance, even if they did have to duck Percy and get away from Hermione real quick. But, yes. But even right. even even Hermione's in this chapter is quintessential Hermione. She's yep. one condescending. Are you me? Yeah. <laughs> She's condescending and judgmental and like, are you guys are you guys <laughs> stupid? Are you dumb? Are you yeah. stupid? And they're like, Oh, sorry, gotta go. Yep. Because the answer is yes, Indeed. we are. Right. And, but Dean and Seamus and Neville are like, you guys are gods. Yeah, Fred and George are pissed. They didn't get to go to. Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. is uh, an absolute microcosm of themselves in this chapter. Yeah. That's probably the smartest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. I don't know about that. It's not a high bar. <laughs> Some of the some of the guests you had on last last uh, last book were pretty were pretty good. Yeah, they were, I, they were very bright people, them. and I was like, oh, yes. Shout out to are these people Amanda. making me think right now? Damn you! <laughs> right, right. Shout out to Amanda from the Fox and the Foxhound podcast and Sarah from First Years. Um, both of them, she great made, guests. She made me empathetic to to Slytherins. She made me use my brain towards Slytherins, and I yeah, and. I think the, I think personally the reason that her, uh, she has the ability to do that and it's so compelling, is that she's not a, like Snape, 
apologist or right. you know an overly Draco sympathizer type of a because that's usually what you get with the with the pro Slytherin arguments is you get like well Snape was really a hero <laughs> and no. like you know Draco was just a product of his parents and has absolutely no agency in his life whatsoever. And Tom Felton and Alan Rickman are the greatest. They're so awesome. We have course, but they like breathed life into characters in ways that like the book characters are much worse. Yeah. Right. Right. But she doesn't do that. She's legitimately like, no, but this house is not just full of, you know, evil people. It can't be and makes compelling arguments in that favor i quite liked it anyways that had nothing to do with this chapter (laughs) so let's jump into this episode is brought to you by anchor if you haven't heard about anchor by spotify it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Explainiarmus. It's time to disarm your reluctancy and explain how you can support this podcast. Belated Binge is a fully independent production. I read the books, write the script, record the episode, edit the recording, pick and produce the sounds, manage the content schedule, manage social media, promote the podcast, and feed producer Jack. Any costs from equipment to software to website development, marketing, any of that comes out of my pocket. And despite how many times I've been told we look alike, I'm no Harry Potter. No half-giant has ever taken me to a bank full of cash and said, hey, you're rich. Having a podcast takes a lot, and it's not easy. So your support is literally the only thing that keeps the show going. And there are a few key ways you can support the podcast. First, word of mouth is absolutely huge. If you enjoy the show, please tell every one of your Potterhead friends to give it a shot. Also, many of the pod players now support a rating and review function. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser, just to name a few. And it takes about four seconds to leave a five-star rating on the app. This can be greatly impactful. If you have more than four seconds and the app that you're using supports written reviews, that's even better. Think about how reliant we are on reviews. Whether you're buying something new or deciding what book to read next, we're always looking at ratings and reviews to weigh into our decision. Podcasts are no different and your positive review could be the difference in someone discovering the show and deciding to give it a chance. Another great way to support the show is engaging in the conversation yourself, whether it be answering the specific questions I pose during the show or on social media. Maybe you just have a theory of your own or you want to leave some feedback. I'd love to hear from you and maybe even share it on the podcast. You can submit your thoughts by leaving a voicemail on the website, belatedbinge.com. Just click the little leave a voicemail icon on the page that you visit. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, you can also respond in written form by using the contact form on the website, leaving comments or DMs on social media. My handle is belatedbinge across Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also email belatedbinge at gmail.com. The final and perhaps most impactful form of support is to become a patron on Patreon. I've made a ton of updates to Patreon membership benefits this season and some goals to shoot for as well. There are currently six tiers available designed to fit any budget level ranging from $1 to $20 with all the bells and whistles. So benefits range from early access to ad-free versions of the show, recognition on the website, bonus episodes, patron shoutouts, show prep notes, insider participation, binge award participation, input on show content and future benefits, a drawing for a physical gift sent from me to you and others. I've also set some growth goals that will unlock new benefits for existing tiers and maybe even adding some more stuff as we go. The first goal is to get 10 total patrons, at which point I will start a patrons discord server. However you choose to support the show, thank you. I truly appreciate it. Now, let's get you back into the flow of the episode. Speaking of supporting the podcast, I wanted to say thank you for a five-star review that the show received from 419 Frog Fan, who calls the show great, saying, I love the chapter-by-chapter aspect. You don't miss a darn thing doing it that way. And the host has made me think about the book in ways I never have. See, I love getting these reviews, and there's something extra, extra special about this particular review. Garrett, do you know what that is? I don't. You don't? No. You wrote it. <laughs> hey. I, who, we can't be sure. <gasps> we can. We, we can't be sure. But it warms my heart every time. But I it's true. I, I, the- <laughs> I never, I never, like, when you, like, you look back at the book as a whole. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't look back at it chapter by chapter and go, oh, well. I guess I should have saw that coming because insert yeah. foreshadowing here or what? Like you, you don't you don't look at it that way. When you break it down snippet by snippet, I, I get a new appreciation for just damn it how good it is. Except for right, this book. I, except for this book. Yeah, well, even within it though, like you always find that even stuff that you remember finding to be not the best part of the series, to say the least, it's like oh I forgot about that like nuance to it. Like, I had forgotten in this chapter, one, the Whopping Willow thing, how quick it was. I had forgotten how just true to character, basically, we could do the whole foreshadowing segment just literally on the characters because the way they act in this chapter is literally setting them up for the entire series. I totally forgot that was a thing. So even though particularly the early part of this book is a lot of just reminding you what happened in the first book... Those nuggets and those moments are great, and it's it 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 just makes me appreciate it that much more when you when you get to see that the microcosm of everybody in this just small snippet of hey this is what the next however long it takes you to read or whatever <laughs> that that's what this yeah. is that 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 is what you should expect from here on out because this is who these people are yeah absolutely and thank you for the review. By the way, um, I would like to read more of those uh, reviews. I can create so, new accounts or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might need it. Uh, but anyways, somebody other than Garrett, uh, if you'd like to leave a review, please do. 
Uh, let's go ahead and jump into our next segment. Lumos. Lumos. So let's pull out our wands, light the tips. We're not blowing smoke. We're here to illuminate Albus Dumbledore. Does it make sense to talk about Dumbledore in a chapter that he appears on like three pages or so? Of course it does. And I have a few things that I want to talk through together uh, to see if we can kind of theorize on the fly a little bit. First, where are we right now with Dumbledore? Mo- more, more importantly, where is Dumbledore with Harry? I've suggested before on this podcast that I think Dumbledore's feelings for Harry kind of developed over time. I think early in the series, he was more of a chess piece for Dumbledore to use in his ultimate goal of bringing down Voldemort for good. And that's what all the testing and training and mentorship that he got in the first book was really all about. But at some point in the series, it turned for Dumbledore. Yeah. I'm in agreement 100% with you, by the way, of he is absolutely 100% a chess piece. And I like, I, 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 this is what I need to win. When, when you take a step back and look at these series as a whole, Mm -hmm. it's, it's Harry Potter and blank. When Mm -hmm. in reality, it's the story of Albus Dumbledore versus Lord Voldemort. Yeah. Told, told through, told through the eyes of Harry Potter. Yep, because he doesn't know that it's the story of Albus Dumbledore versus Lord Voldemort. <laughs> he yeah. know he he views it as Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You're yeah, you're absolutely right. I completely agree. But but, it, but you, you're right. And then at some point, Dumbledore goes, "Holy shit, this kid's got really high character." Yeah, and that's something that I value in people. Yeah, and I would argue that it was at that moment it no longer is Dumbledore wanting to bring down Voldemort and training Harry to do it come hell or high water. His efforts and his planning, his whole master plan, I believe shifted to still wanting to bring down Voldemort, but wanting Harry to survive in doing it. Yeah. I, I think right now in this moment of the book in book two, he's still primarily in asset mode. Yeah. I think it's at the end of this book and in uh, kind of from there and then going through book three when that shift actually starts. To I was going to say, I think it takes a while still where like I, I think, you know, like maybe and this is a weird term, like he, he starts to have feelings for Harry a little bit. And it's like, mm-hmm. I got to cut that out because I yeah. I know what has to happen and I can't become. Like I, I I grew up in a in a farm community, mm-hmm. and, and people will tell you like tell their kids, don't get attached to that cow. Yeah, <laughs> like that cow is not a yeah. pet. Yeah, we're gonna need mm-hmm. him later. Yeah, that's how that's the uh, that's the lens that Albus Dumbledore is viewing Harry Potter of like I like I'm starting to get attached. To you you got to cut that out because I know what's happening. Yeah, and eventually but it becomes think- so much that like I, I can't. I really I really do. Like I, I, I've genuinely grown to love this kid. I th- yeah, and I, but I think that it. I think maybe I think that it happens a little bit sooner than you do, yeah. and particularly because of events in the fourth book. I was going to say, even in Goblet of Fire, I think he is still like. I think there's still a hint of it, but I think at that point, at the end of this book, he has, I believe, put together the multiple crux theory. 
He yeah. may not have fleshed out the entirety of it, but I think that he knows that that's what he's dealing with is multiple Horcruxes. And I think at some point after that, likely within the time span of the third book, he has put two and two together that Harry is is likely a Horcrux. Right. If he doesn't, then he's starting to suspect it a little bit. And by in sometime in four, like early in four, he knows. Like that's what the connection's about. That's right. what Parcel Tongue's like, about. That's, oh, I have these dreams sometime, Professor. And he's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. That's, yeah. And that's when he knows that that thing has to be killed. How right. do I make sure that Harry survives? Right. And I think that it happens in that time span because of. And if you, I don't know if you recall it, it's fresh in my brain because of another podcast that I went on to. Shout out to the restricted section. I'm full of shout outs today. That's great. The gleam of triumph. When Harry tells him that Voldemort used Harry's blood to regenerate a body. And Dumbledore has what Harry describes as a moment of like a gleam of triumph. Because that's the moment that Dumbledore figured out this kid can live through it. Right. You're not just a lamb to the slaughter. And it had to have been important. He had to have been trying to figure out how Harry could survive it up to that point for him to even give a shit. Right. But we're well beyond (laughs) this book. Um, But I think, but I think what you were saying, you know, his character, I think at the end of this book, um, the way that he treats Dobby and also the what goes down in the chamber of secrets and particularly the loyalty that brings Fox to him and right. stuff. Like I think all of that stuff goes into Dumbledore like, Oh, I actually have to give a shit about this kid. Oh man. Now what am I going to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is going um, to be hard. Like it's, it's almost yeah. like I'm gonna, like taking your dog to the vet to have it put down. Like, and perhaps that's why it takes seven years for him to figure out what the heck to do because he's like, or six years, I guess, before he, you know, topples off of the tower. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Takes a, takes a bit of a dive. Um, okay. So back to more present day. Uh, and by present day, I mean like, what was this? 1998 99 or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious. Do you think that he know, knew about the barrier that Dobby put on, uh, at King's Cross Station, King's Cross Station. Um, that's a great question. Or at least that they missed the train already. Yeah, I, yeah when when like, the dude knows all, right? Yeah. So I, I assume he doesn't know that Dobby closed Platform Nine and Three Quarters, but he knows. <laughs> okay, they missed the train. Why are ha- like uh, he can put mm-hmm. two and two together? Like, why are there five Weasleys on the train, and Ron <laughs> isn't? Yeah. Why Why are um, Ron and Harry not on the train? But everybody else is. What's so the deal? You think that he knew before the evening prophet came out? Yes. And so it wasn't just him seeing the article and going, oh, that was definitely them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but okay. and when he says, like, explain yourselves, he's got a good idea of what of what the explanation should be. Yeah. And when And when they tell him what he already thinks or knows – that's what saves them from not being expelled. If they were like, well, we thought we were badasses and we'd fly. Like, that'd be fun. <laughs> right. Like, he's yeah. like, just oh, seemed fun. I swear to God, this is what happened. And, yeah. you know, Snape doesn't want to hear it because Snape doesn't want to hear. Like, and this is like, it's, it's frustrating as hell, I think, for for Harry and Ron because 
at least I think we all can relate to being that somewhat age and being like, I swear to God, this is the truth. And then as an adult yeah. is like, I'm not buying your bull crap. Like, no, 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 this yeah. is, I swear to you, this is what happened. And they're like, you just want to be important. Like, no, that's yeah. not, that's not it at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah, not, not once when I, we were flying through the air was I was like, uh, the ladies are going to love this. Yeah. No, I, I, I needed to get to school. Yeah. Uh, well, they did have that moment of uh, thinking about what the entrance might look like. Yeah. So but, but maybe there it, was like, a little bit of, but it wasn't in the plan. Right, it wasn't for yeah. a long time. But this is also why Snape's the one that finds them, right? Like, you know that there was a, Snape is Dumbledore's little minion right. you know at the whole time his sidekick if you will he there was a wink nudge of right go um, get them severus there are two students who did not make the train today yeah who were they sir <laughs> it was harry potter and ron weasley perfect yeah i need you to be right, the one go that finds fi them right figure out what happened here you yeah. got it sir mm -hmm. okay so slight gear shift um for the last thing uh, that has to do with Albus Dumbledore in our Lumos discussion is something we alluded to earlier. The Whomping Willow. We learn in book three why Dumbledore planted it there. We're aware of what its existence was there for. Why is it still there? <laughs> I don't... I have. It, it must just be uh, resistant to... Weed killer? I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> the, I, there's well, no longer a werewolf as a student. Yeah. Nobody needs that passage. Nobody has for decades. Like, why did he not get rid of the murder tree? Maybe they're difficult the to school. come by. Maybe he We're thought children. Yeah. There like, might be we more were werewolves someday. I don't. I don't know. Might need it. Never right, know. You know right. That's the like. I'm gonna like. This is a nice cardboard box. I'm gonna save this box. Why are you saving the box for? Uh, it's a nice box. You, you never know. It. Never know when you're gonna need it. Yeah, I, got, there, yeah, there I was might a, have a kid someday, and they don't want toys. They just want the box. There was a great meme that I saw just go crazy viral last week. Of that was like man who put piece of wood in garage in 1982 gloats because he finally used it. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's exactly what this tree is. It's just like eh, you never know. Well, let's leave it up. It's a nice conversation piece, and also made of wood. Ironically <laughs> yeah. enough, that person in that meme was actually Albus Dumbledore, and that piece of wood <laughs> came from the Whomping Willow. It all comes full circle. Who could have ever predicted that in divination class? Divination. So it's time to highlight four moments in the chapter that foreshadow something to come in the future of our series. Gary, did you prepare four things for this foreshadow? You know, uh, as a classic underachiever, I did not. Okay. I just wanted to know if I was going to get your list while I was going through mine, but it, I guess not. <sighs> I'm not mad. I'm just... Oh, oh, it cuts like a knife. <laughs> Foreshadow number one, the car being a sentient being and sort of saving them from the Whomping Willow, even if it didn't make any sense. Uh, it does sort of foreshadow the car coming to their rescue later in this book when they'll most certainly be eaten alive by Aragog's giant spider family, even though it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, the reason I didn't pick that chapter. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, foreshadow number two, the whole Snape coming out to meet Harry, who 
got to Hogwarts later than the rest of the students and giving him relentless shit about wanting to make a grand entrance and being attention-seeking and blah, 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 blah. Sorry, let me... Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this is a very direct foreshadow to book six, Ring Theory, where he meets Harry at the gate when Tonks, who we met earlier in this book, obviously, uh, drops him off and gives him the same speech, albeit a bit more visceral that time. It kind of scales up with Harry's age. Yeah. Apparently, you know, he was holding back a little when he was 12. Or he's What just, a nice guy. He's just been stewing that long because he didn't get the expulsion. Like, you should have been in 12. Your second, your yeah. second year. Okay. Yeah, and Dumbledore's not going to do it this time either. I don't know why he was a 1920s like gangster in my... You should have been expelled second year, see? You're just crossing over Fantastic Beast timelines because, uh, you know, McGonagall was teaching then, too, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she was can... killing it then, too. Yeah. Just like now. Mm-hmm. She's Absolutely. my, she's my, uh, she, if she's not my favorite character, she's my second favorite character. Something we can talk about at some point, but she's my, she is upper echelon. That's fair. If I have favorite, a hard time. Favorite. Yeah, I have a hard time with favorite characters. I feel like Harry needs more votes in that category. I don't know that I can I mean, be the one to seven give it to him. There's seven books named after him. I mean, I know, but that's know, why he's not anybody's favorite character. I thought about this earlier today. One. I thought about this earlier today, and it pisses me off. The the only like the one flaw that Harry has is that he doesn't really have many flaws. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's the it's the idea that like he's like perfectly average. In seven <laughs> books, he never got like like really backstabbed. He never got like he he judged someone's character wrong. Mm. That he never like trusted someone that he should really shouldn't have, and it really came back to bit him in the ass. Like we've all got that story of like somebody that we're like, oh yeah, like I really trusted them, and then I was like, oh that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, that was a problem. He doesn't. He doesn't ha- like he judged everyone perfectly except for Snape until the end. Like that yeah. sucks. Like you Which never got I'm- one wrong. And he had Snape's character spot on. Right, 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 right. Didn't have the story of the story incorrect. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point. He is. I think the thing that uh, bugs me about Harry and what makes it so he can't be my favorite character is that it's it's almost not viable that he becomes like that he's the hero because he is so incredibly average and like even the you know teaching the Dumbledore's army and the DADA lessons is kind of to me a bit far-fetched because like he sort of i don't know like i feel like he doesn't even have the bag like, to uh, then right. teach other people right. the like, bag un- like unremarkable is not the right word but it kind of is in that context of like you're right. you're so like i don't know that anybody's seeing you in class and being like shit that guy's got like i gotta yeah. go to the room requirement with that dude like yeah i, just, I don't know like, yeah it your, your star power works but in when push comes to shove, everybody's like, "Oh, you're learning kind of just the same things we are at the same time." Kind of, yeah. And I mean, it, he he shows a, a knack for teaching and blah blah blah. We can get into right. that in about a year and a half. But the I kind of do wish that he had, and perhaps on in the even all the way in the seventh book, like during the camping trip, really come into his own and shown some sort of, some semblance of, like, power other than, oh, there's a horcrux inside of me, so, like, I get answers to things when the plot needs to move forward. <laughs> Flashed in my brain. And we gotta move this thing, go. we gotta get this thing going. Oh, thank he, God. I yeah, can it now can't. See. And that's, none of it's on its own merit. Maybe that's what bugs me. None of it actually comes via his own merit. 
and I wish it did. And then he would probably be my favorite character. But I do want to, I want to make him that because nobody else will. Yeah. Uh, I am a Hermione fan though. Book one, Hermione's like I'm. Ooh. I'm a. I'm a Hermione arc fan. I think. I uh, that that's my like. Mm-hmm. I I I thoroughly enjoy Draco Malfoy. His arc mm. is from where he starts to where he ends. Has a long trip that people yeah, people generally I, do not make. I guess. Uh, I just. I don't see his redemption. I just don't like. I don't think oh, we get the opportunity didn't. to see his redemption. And that's why I can't. I think his redemption like, is the more night- in people's minds than on the page. And that is 100% fair. But mm-hmm. even in 19 years later, his even small semblance of being able to like smile and say hello mm-hmm. from where we started to where to getting to there is a whole hell of a lot of work. It is. It is. I'm not saying now, that- and I'm not saying like there's still a good chance that he's a a cock knocker as an adult <laughs> like there there's a very good chance of that but even getting to be palatable by the yeah. end of the series is like well done well done drago yeah maybe you're putting more stock in 19 years later than i am because i kind of ignore that part and i i, I get I, that i get to battle of hogwarts like he didn't kill harry <laughs> well good on you bud r- well that the, like, that's the like you know <laughs> i guess not just immediately being like, oh, there are my parents and Lord Voldemort. Well, I guess I better stroll over there. Like, you know, like even the, the thought of at 18 years old being like, we're not, we're not the good guys, are we? Like <laughs> coming to that realization, like, my family's not the good guys. I, I've been, I might've gotten this wrong for the last couple of years. I can give you that and I can see how people get there. I guess I just because I, I find I, other things more enjoyable about the series than that. Because I, I just think he's so much of a douche all the way up until then that I don't care. Warranted. I just <laughs> I, I live in an area where, and this is a conver- like a, a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. It's like people um, my age vote mm-hmm. vote for certain candidates because that's how I've been told to vote for my entire uh, life. I like I, I live you. in an area where you are like this is where you live. You're allowed to go to one of like five colleges for four years. And when you graduate with uh, a very prestigious degree, you move back to this area. You have three to six kids <laughs> and you vote a certain way because by God, that's how we do it around here. And I see how like difficult it is to get people to kind of break that circle. Mm-hmm. And for I, Draco Malfoy of all like people to be kind of like, you know, in a high class family of this is how we do things. And him being like, oh, that's not that's not great by the end of it. It's like, you know what? I have a lot of like I have a lot of love for you if you can figure out by the end of this like, <laughs> oh, uh that ain't great. Maybe not the right call. Yeah. Um this has been a lot of foreshadowing. Um you pretty much know everything that's going to happen with Draco. Uh third foreshadow for Sorry about that. Ah, that's literally what podcasts are for. Um Harry mentioning that it wasn't the first time that he had a feeling Snape could read minds. Foreshadowing. Snape can read minds. We learn it for real in the Order of the Phoenix, and then you know we also get some of it in Half Blood Prince of him reading Harry's mind when he almost kills Garrett's favorite character. Well, you know, serious. Who deserved it, by the way? Because he was about to crucio the shit out of Harry. And not disputing that. <laughs> although, to be fair, Harry maybe try that on a yeah post-it note before nope. <laughs> before just being like I something. Don't, I don't know what it does, but here we go. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, uh, not great. Not and then great. immediately is like, oh, 
Yeah. Mm, problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Foreshadow number four. Uh, when number Harry, 14. Yeah, yeah, so much foreshadowing. I, I think we're just talking at this point. Uh, when Harry pleased with uh, Prof. McGee about not taking points from Gryffindor because the term hadn't started yet when they took the car back to your, well, technically. I was going to say, uh, that's the second. Well, technically. Uh-huh. Uh, she's described as giving him a piercing look, but he was sure she almost smiled. To me, this is a foreshadow to the bond that these two develop over the years. Prof. McGee's painted as a very stern, strict, and almost scary witch, but she ends up being an incredible ally to Harry and shows how badass she is at multiple points, particularly towards the end. And this is just sort of a seed planted in that direction. And there's something about her summoning sandwiches that gives me a, a little bit of reminiscence of have a biscuit potter which i <laughs> quite enjoy also let's just throw this out there she's literally the reason that harry successfully uses crucio the only time in this series and it, it's defending her honor and it kind of starts right now see there are a lot of people that have either daddy issues or mommy issues Unfortunately yes. for Harry Potter, he has daddy issues and mommy issues. And we <laughs> see it highlighted time and time again that he gets those kind of daddy issues at times, at least, mm-hmm. uh, assuaged be- with Professor Dumbledore. It's never really highlighted with Professor McGonagall, but that's exactly what's happening. She is what he needs when he needs it. Because yeah. for a lot, of t- a lot of the time, he needs stern discipline structure Mm -hmm. and when he needs love and nurturing and all of those things there she is as well generally when you think of mom mother figure for harry potter you think of molly weasley and that's fine Mm -hmm. but for nine months out of the year at school it's minerva mcgonagall it is and that's why i love her because she is like she's almost the moral compass of the series like everybody every once in a while will wade into like i don't care how we got to do it this is how we do it she'll be like "Eh, i don't think that's a great idea Unless Quidditch. True. (laughs) She will bend the rules for Quidditch. I think we all can agree that that's okay. It is. It's absolutely okay. Because sports is the most important thing in life. She's right. She's what Harry needs when he needs it. And and, and Mm -hmm. I don't... This is me. I don't know that that's the author as much as that's her personality. Like, she's very much aware of the, the face that she needs to put on in the moment. Yeah. 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 That's all I can say. Yeah. A whole bunch of times. Quality, quality podcasting. Uh, Okay. That wraps up foreshadowing and our divination. So let's give away some house points. points. In true Hogwarts fashion, these points are completely subjective with no oversight and fully at my discretion. This week, I am giving house points to Dumbledore. Ten points in total. Five for shutting down Snape's temper tantrum that he wasn't expelling Harry and Ron, and five extra for not expelling Harry and Ron. Prof. McGee, I'm giving two points for the refilling sandwich tray. I was going to say, it better be for the sandwiches. Absolutely. That's like a personal all-you-can-eat buffet. These kids haven't eaten. Yeah, and I'm incredibly jealous that we can't do this. And I'm imagining Snape's reaction when he finds his desk just covered in sandwiches because it's just kept replenishing (laughs) itself. And he's trying, he's like pissed trying to get rid of it. And 
I would love it if she put some kind of like sticking term and it took him like a month to get the stupid sandwiches off his desk. Like that just as a little rib from yeah. McG to Snape. That would so give her being a dick. Bring me a lot of joy. Yeah. Gotta smell pimento so, cheese for the next month. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why they're pimento yeah. cheese sandwiches, but damn it, that's what I where my mind went. Why like not? It's, it's not like you're not going to have great sandwiches. They're not going to be like there's not a tray of Jimmy John's there on the. You're going to get like pimento eh. cheese on wheat, and you're going to like would, it. I believe it was described as they were at least like different kinds of sandwiches. There were like chicken sandwiches and ham sandwiches, and like at least she she took care of them. She took care of them naturally. Of course, of course. McGee and Molly just making sure that Harry stays fed. Literally the only people in the world. Hermione feeds them when they're camping, but like, you know, that's not great. Poisonous mushrooms. Anyways, uh, so now that that's it, that's all I've got for actually giving away house points in in this episode. Not a lot of um rewarding uh can we moments. Take, like three points away from Arthur Weasley for like having a invisibility button in the car that does not doesn't work. work. I, you know what? We absolutely can't. He wasn't on my list. Um I am taking points away from people. He wasn't on my list, but I will add it. Uh, I'm going to put a note. Arthur, three, Garrett. If if there's like one thing like I'm banking on inside this car, it's the invisibility invisibility button is going to work and it's not going to just, the car is not just going to do whatever it damn well pleases. Right. Absolutely. It doesn't Uh, need a pat on the back and a sugar cube like it's a horse. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Uh, I think it's warranted too. So yes, Arthur Weasley is losing three points. Uh, Ron is also losing 10 for this whole dumbass idea that got him into this mess in the first place. Because Harry was going to be responsible. Let's just stand here and wait until your parents get back. Which, by the way, what did they, like, were they standing on the other side of the, the platform? Like, I don't, I don't where know. Where are these dudes? It's, we never know. They probably just apparate to the other side. And they're like, where are these slapdicks? Oh, they're flying through the air. Great. Yeah, uh-huh. Wonderful. Where's the car? And then they, Right, they you see know, it flying away and Molly uh, shaking her fist. Yeah. You ratting kids. Yeah, that's what what we didn't know is that they were the ones that actually sent the pictures into the prophet. I'm, <laughs> that's not true because, you know, Arthur gets in trouble for this whole thing. Maybe that's why I didn't take points away from him because be. he's, you know, almost lost his job. Yeah. Uh, but I am taking points away from Harry as well. He's getting five for not being the more logical uh, of the two and actually letting Ron call the shots here. But I do have a side theory. This is the moment in the series that Harry decides that he's the leader of this trio yeah, because would... if they follow Ron's lead, they're screwed well, dead or both. You're standing there in a train station like, he seems awful confident. I Yeah, well, let's follow him. And then after that, it was like, never again. Never again. Never nope. again. I followed you mm. playing chess. You want to stop Snake mm-hmm. from getting that stone? Oh, not. Like, yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. And then now mm-hmm. it's like, nah, I run the show now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good call. No more. Good call. No more Ron ideas. Yeah. Uh, Dobby's losing 15 for putting up the barrier in the first place and continuing to be the most annoying or have the most annoying character introduction possibly in all of literature, which I'm totally an expert on. Sure. I like your chances. S- Snape <laughs> losing 25 for being a grown ass man who never got over his childhood crush or his childhood bully, letting both turn into a lifelong obsession and using that to fuel his bullying of children and the twisted pleasure he gets in punishing one in particular, whose only crime against Snape was that he was birthed by the two obsessions. Yet he wants nothing more than to railroad this kid and have him kicked out of school to the point in this chapter. He literally has to be told, shut the fuck up by Dumbledore, like a small child who direct quote, Looked as though Christmas had been canceled. That's worth 25, right? I think so. Also, it would have been great if literally 
Albus Dumbledore said, shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. It, it really would have packed more punch. If it, the one, would if the one, like if the one time there's like, you know, <laughs> in, in the fifth chapter of the second book where Dumbledore was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not dealing with your shit yeah. anymore. Uh, okay. So I will add all of these points into my nerdy ass spreadsheet and tally them up for the end of this season's Bingy Awards. Before we go, I have to acknowledge the moments in this episode that were utterly ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's not an episode of The Binge if we don't call out what didn't make any sense at all, starting with Molly failing, or falling, uh, rather, for the enchantments on the car when they're all stuffed inside this car together. She's not an idiot. It's total bullshit. We already talked about that. Uh, Molly and Arthur leaving Harry and Ron to go through the barrier. We already talked about that. Also ridiculous. The barrier itself isn't ridiculous, but the fact that it works is, and it goes back to something I've said before on this podcast, the only way that this entire student body can get to this school is through one single train that's boarded through one single brick wall. The logistics don't make any sense. It's all nonsense. In reality, you would have a line and it would never work. It's just ridiculous. And Snape knowing exactly where to find them in two seconds is ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you can think of that we missed that you wanted to bring up about this chapter? I I do I love the in the books the the very small illustration at the start of each chapter and I think yeah the, I think the illustration in this one is fantastic like it is because it, when you close your eyes what, what are you supposed to expect a whomping willow looks like so thanks for the help there whoever yeah. like I I guess willow I wouldn't expect a willow to be all that whomping, but this, <laughs> this tree looks maniacal, and now I know, so thank you. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Uh, I am reading on a, like, a phone with the, uh, like, Kindle Unlimited yeah. thing, and so I don't, I don't know, I guess I didn't clock it. I just like you know hit the table on. of yep. contents to the chapter and I went straight to the word like it didn't yeah. didn't click yeah I, I should look I at feel that. like I'm I feel like I'm missing yeah like I feel like I'm missing something not doing it with physical copy of the books but the only physical copy of the books that I own are at my mom's house because she was listening to the podcast and didn't know what the hell was going on so I bought her the books I've <laughs> been reading them electronically this entire time oh well no, I uh, I I when I was I read that chapter this this afternoon and i i like slipped my pinky slipped and i lost my place in the book and was like this is why i should just do kindle mm, uh, yeah, there's no there's no oh, i lost my place damn it where was i so i don't i don't blame you for going electronic only <sighs> trying to think if i had anything else that's it that's i swear to god i'll shut up now no you're good i don't i can't think of anything i i love these long ones uh they bring me a lot of joy the editing is going to be a nightmare but sure we can that's going to be that's going to be between you and me and uh whoever's listening i'm just going to say it we have been dealing with uh zoom's <laughs> 40 minute limit on this thing we've been kicked off like four times yep sorry about that we nice. just keep having to open it back up and and keep going so life of a podcaster yeah, the first speaking the first yes, 40 minutes was like how are you what have you been doing yeah, I, yeah we I haven't seen we haven't, you in- it's literally years right like uh, I, uh your wedding well no we we both attended a funeral oh 
Yeah. Yep. That so, was, okay. So even that's two years, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Still two and a half years. Ago. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about that. We're old. I like to put, like to put that out the back of my mind. Uh, yeah. 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 Nope. It's, there's a, I saw a great meme the earlier this week that, that was a hundred percent true that said, you know, when you were a kid and your bedtime was nine o'clock, you were like, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I can stay up however long I want. And then you realize it's about nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, pretty, that's when you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> you got a much worse. I just got a puppy. We put in a cage and like, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> you got a little rougher than I do. Uh, he sleeps in a cage now because we just can't have two of them. Like right. <laughs> the, the child not wanting to sleep when she finally does fall asleep. The couple of times we've tried, to leave him out, it's, he will just get up and start shaking his ears or something, wake her right, up, and it's like, oh. Shut up, shut up, shut Yeah, it, I, have you ever seen a, a wiener dog toss from a two-story window? Because we've been real close. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And I don't think they're like cats. I don't think they just pop right no, back up when they land. Nope. They don't always land on their feet. Man. Anyways, uh, speaking of... Uh, the life of a podcaster um garrett this this has been a blast thank you for coming on and, and gracing us with your presence please plug any and everything that you're doing in life that you want people to know about oh you're uh, i'm generally honored genuinely honored not generally genuinely honored Gen- i'm generally I'm honored, honored to, to be these, yeah. but on this one <laughs> yeah. it kind of yeah, i am genuinely whatever. honored to be on the podcast i i'm, I'm glad you asked i'm Glad I inserted myself to be like, yo, when am I? When do I get to do this? I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, I, I I genuinely enjoy what you do uh, with the podcast. Um, uh, I have a, a podcast with a friend, like we said at the start of the episode, uh, the Rankum Podcast, where we rank books, which movies. I've never been invited on. Oh, by well, the way, like, it's just just so everybody knows, getting another person to sit across <laughs> the room from you even is uh, is difficult enough. That <sighs> uh, we we rank books, we rank movies actors restaurant breads whatever you can think of we pick our top five or things we hate sometimes uh, our the last episode i think we did was um driving pet peeves what pisses you off when you're driving (laughs) if you're not moving your tail on the on-ramp i want to slash your tires so (laughs) that's so sometimes we get hateful that's when we're at our best um but the rankin podcast facebook twitter youtube wherever you download your podcast you can listen and uh we would appreciate it well, I'm glad that it's back. That's all I've got to say. I was today years old when I realized that it was back. There was a hot hiatus there for a second where there was. Uh, Zach mentioned we, I, I, I work in sports talk radio. So it was like, what do you do for fun? Virtually the same thing. Like, so eventually <laughs> it was like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. This is just like more work. Um, but so now. Uh, we found and then it. you missed it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how it works. I imagine that's what it will be. If I ever just like get so sick of Harry Potter and talking about it, I'll just be like, I'm done with this. And then like two weeks later, I'm going to be like, you know what would be a really fun thing to bring up on a podcast <laughs> right. about Harry Potter? Yep. And you're like, and eh, yeah. Back in that circle. Mm, pretty much. Yep. Uh, with that, we've reached the end of this episode of The Binge. As always, shout out to producer Jack, who I work like a dog when he's not flying through the air out of uh, an upstairs window. That's This is not cruelty. To, don't call P. I'm joking. He's earned it. Remember, <laughs> remember to follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcast player you're using. And if it supports a rating and review option, please leave one. If you're so inclined, check out the additional benefits available on patreon.com slash belated binge link in the show notes for that if you're reading along next episode 
we'll be covering chapter six of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Gilderoy Lockhart, which is sure to be a joy. Until then, I'll see you next time on the Belated Binge Podcast. Ron grinned guiltily at Harry. I know I shouldn't have enjoyed that or anything, but the dormitory door flew open, and in came the other second-year Gryffindor boys, Seamus Finnegan, Dean Thomas, and Neville Longbottom. Unbelievable, deemed Seamus. Cool, said Dean. Amazing, said Neville, awestruck. Harry couldn't help it. He grinned, too. Recording stopped. I was like, he grinned too. He got his teethers out too. Yay. I'm going to make sure I get that in there somehow. <laughs> um, one of the things we talked about on today's show was there's a recruit from Ohio State, or for Ohio State today, mm-hmm. uh, and his name was Mateo Uyunglele. And I just kept saying Uyunglele because I was like, because I can fucking say Uyunglele. I'm going to keep saying Mateo Uyunglele. <laughs> and then, like, the last time I went to say it, it was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you fucking idiot. You yeah. sound like a goddamn moron. Been there. My kid's asleep. That's my hope. <laughs> that would she be, didn't nap today. That would be best case Ontario. Yeah, that she didn't nap today. So she was very much in destructive mode for... I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Just, I, like, throwing shit. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I have to to stay awake. Fuck you guys. Like... Please don't. Please just yeah. go down for the count. Pretty much. Yeah, that's... I'm not fucking stopping! Okay. Yeah. If I sit still for four and a half seconds, I'm passing the fuck out. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. That's all right. And she does. She gets... She. It's not only having to keep moving. It's also like I'm literally going to just break stuff. Thank you.